This is the Yahoo Finance Sportsbook Podcast. Okay, welcome back to Sportsbook. It's summer, and we're talking about golf. That's it. It's golf season. And, you know, two months ago on this podcast, we had in the Travelers EVP, Andy Bassett, to talk about the Travelers Championship. Now, here we are. Fast forward. It is the weekend of the Travelers Championship. Last year, this tournament had a thrilling finish. Uh, I was lucky enough to be there on the last day, on the last hole, as Jordan Spieth holed it from the bunker to avoid a playoff and to win. I think it did great things for this tournament. I've written about that. This year, I'll be going back again. We want to take a look at the... Uh, get the lay of the land and, and see what's going on at Travelers. And today we have a special guest to talk about just that. It's Kevin Streelman, a PGA Tour pro who won the Travelers Championship just four years ago. We're going to bring him on. And, of course, joining me, it's only right that we have my colleague, golf guy, Miles Udlin. Hey, Miles. Finally, we're back. That's it. We're back, baby. Talking about golf. So let's bring in Kevin Streelman. Kevin, joining us from Connecticut. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Dan. Kevin, nice to meet you, man. Nice to meet you. And we're also joined by my colleague, Miles, who is uh, our resident Thanks. golfer. Hey, Kevin, how are you? Hi, nice. Miles. Miles, what's Terrific. your handicap? Uh, it's, a, it's a soft 10. <laughs> <laughs> soft. <laughs> Let me ask you, what is your relationship? What would you say is your relationship with the Travelers Tournament? No, well, thanks for having me. I mean, last year we rated it as the, the number one, uh, you know, event on the PGA Tour. So wow. obviously the players players love it. The families love it. Uh, they take great care of our caddies. And, um, you know, it's just for me, what, what I was able to accomplish here, it just will go down as probably, you know, the best uh, professional afternoon of my of my career. But it's just a place that will always be dear to my heart. And, uh, you know, I grew up in the western suburbs of Chicago, and it just kind of reminds me of just a lot of good, hardworking people here in Hartford and Cromwell and great restaurants, good mom-and-pop restaurants we love visiting every year. And, um, and on top of that, it's a great golf course. And the, and the players have come, and now having five of the top ten in the world here this week uh, shows, especially after a tough week like last week for everybody, that how much uh, this tournament means to the tour. Yeah, you know, we've heard a lot about the experience that travelers the tournament provides for the golfers and I think probably the guys who run any tournament would say the same but it sounds like there's some truth to that I mean what makes playing the Travelers Tournament better or nicer or easier for you than other tournaments well they like we did say they take great care of our families like they um, my kids went to the Lego factory this morning <laughs> they set up a tour for the kids really just for us to spend a bunch of money like us there but <laughs> uh, you know to, to do that with the kids there's a great player party thursday they set up you know bouncy houses and pl play areas for the kids to come and, and enjoy uh the tournaments and, and our, our kids love running down there and playing on it on everything um you know it in a, in a way after a crazy difficult tournament like the u.s open it's nice to come Really, any golf course would seem very playable after U.S. Open course, but particularly after last week, you know, this this week feels like I don't want to say just a a breath of fresh air. I'd say, and um, you know, the greens are perfect. They're not a crazy speed. They're just the right speed. They're in great shape. The course is in nice shape. The fairways are generous size. Um, it's just kind of a nice way to get back on our our tour stretch. And for me personally. I just missed qualifying for the Open, so I've, I've been home in Phoenix for two weeks. So this was the start of four weeks in a row for me. And um, you know, being a past champion here, this will, as long as I'm playing on tour, this will be a stop I will uh, frequent. 
Yeah, Kevin, I'm curious, um, thinking about the life of a, of a touring pro, I think you've had your card for nine seasons in a row now, ten seasons in a row? It's my 11th. Yeah, yeah. 11th, so congratulations. Um, and I'm just curious how, you know, at the beginning of the year when it's uh, early October or late September, you sit down and put together your whole schedule, of course, mm -hmm. you know, barring any injuries. And I'm just uh, curious about that process of sitting down and saying, these are the events I want to play, and do you target specific events, or are you just hoping... Uh, you know, kind of week in, week out to make a lot of cuts, um, you know, which is something that, that you've done quite a bit over the last few years. You know, that's a good question. And and I'd say it usually starts with your your priority events. You know, if you're in the majors, if you're able to make it to the tour championship the year before, you know you're in all the majors and WGCs, players championships, priority. Um, then you start looking at, do you like to play the week before or the week after those big events? And then, you know, you just pick your favorites. I've, I've been fortunate enough to win here and to win in Tampa. So as long as I'm playing, those will be events I'll be a priority for me. And then, um, you know, you got your home events. That crazy event in Phoenix is about a mile from my house. So I always play that one. And then Pebble Beach, I've, I've always played well at. You kind of look at your record as well, where you've played well in the past or where um, you feel comfortable or other courses you don't feel comfortable on. So uh, it kind of it just comes together. But um, now I travel with a four-year-old and a two-year-old, so it's pretty, pretty great, uh, you know, pretty chaotic my my life out on tour. But uh, we make it work, and um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun run. Kevin, uh, you know, Miles here is our resident actual golfer. I just cover it and and I follow follow golf at the pro level. I watch it, I write about it, and I write about the business side. And and so mm -hmm. maybe I can represent uh, the average sort of casual fan in the sense that. Obviously, I, I tend to get more excited and pay more attention for the four majors. But give me mm -hmm. the perspective of a player. Is the right way to go about it mentally that you don't try to think, well, this one is bigger, this is the U.S. Opener, this is the Masters. You just think, well, look, they're all PGA Tour events, and, and I want to win them all equally. I mean, how do you prepare yourself for something like the Travelers versus a major? Are you more relaxed? Well, that's a, an important part, and it's an important part of growing up on the both professionally and the PGA Tour uh, one story I'd say, my first Masters I ever played in, you know, I way, way over over prepared for the week. I played a bunch of practice rounds. I was exhausted by Thursday. I missed the cut by a bunch. The next week's Hilton Head, which is kind of a very fun, relaxed week with a family, and I hardly did any practice that whole week, and I finished second. <laughs> it was like, you know, my game was my game was prepared, but mentally I was way too amped up for the for the big big one and then when I just kind of relaxed and let myself play I played played great so um, I think that's a good point and it's just something that you need to manage as as a professional athlete and just kind of figure out what works best for you but I, I tend to find you, you prepare really hard and then when you get to the course you try and relax and enjoy the the, the week as much as possible we've uh, talked as I mentioned on this podcast before about the tournament about how travelers has made the tournament kind of a, a bigger spectacle than it once was and and that's all positive uh, do you talk to other guys on tour w would you say that that's true even in the way people talk about it and anticipate it has the reputation gotten better over the years for travelers oh yeah absolutely um, I'd say since I've been on the tour the last decade it's it's always been a a great event you know for me being from the midwest this type you know we play the same type of grass up here in, in hartford it's it's bent grass it's it's kind of the same type of divots i'm used to the same type of sand and, and almost, it reminds me of a course i grew up on so i think i've played it every single year i've been on tour um but some guys you know they give it all in their, the u.s open and don't want to play the week after so once again it's just a personal preference right. but uh, for me this one is one i will play uh, as long as i can 
Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, just kind of the the vibe on tour, Kevin, can you talk can you talk a little bit about the way the tour has changed since you first came on the scene? Because if you think of uh, at least when I think of the popular kind of golf narratives now, it's well, it's all the guys are young and everyone's in really good shape and they hit the ball a mile. We sort of all know those tropes, um, but it does seem like that's a very different game that's played out there now than was played. Um, you know, when you came up, Tiger was still kind of um, at his oh, yeah. peak. It was sort of just before that. But you look at the leaderboard last week, and it's a lot of bombing and gouging. And I'm just curious, as a player, how you've gotten a sense of the way that the sport has changed and the actual competition that you're having week in, week out feels like it's probably different now than it was, uh, you know, nine, ten years ago. Yeah, well, you know, we're just seeing the generational change of what Tiger did for the game. Um, I would say I was right at the end of golf still being a little bit nerdy <laughs> so all my all my buddies in high school played football and soccer and they kind of teased me for playing golf but now they all wish they played golf so we were kind of at the edge that we're now if you go to my high school golf is a cool sport to play so what we're finding is these athletes you know the brooks kepkas the dustin johnson these these bodies you're seeing the guys who used to play football and basketball baseball grew up playing golf and you've got six foot four lanky athletes which you just did not see 30 40 years ago in the game of golf so that's where the game is transformed is true really good athletes that um that know how to how to move a, a golf ball in an athletic way and the speed is just different now you know um I think it's exciting to watch the kids coming up and, and it's a global stage too. I mean, you look at 150, 250 in the world where they are now, where they were 20 years ago. And it's a completely different ball game. Yeah. Any, I really, go ahead. Yeah. No, I always kind of have that debate uh, amongst my friends, you know, when we're playing, it's like, is the 30th best player in the world now way better than the 30th best player in the yeah. world when tiger was at the top. And I'm always inclined to say no, because these guys are still the 30th best player in the world, but it would seem that there are things that, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think who exactly is 30th. Tony Finau is kind of around the 30th best mm -hmm. player in the world. Probably things that he's doing in his game week in, week out uh, that guys were not doing, you know, 15 years ago with regularity. Yeah, no, it's it's changed, I think, for the good. I think uh, on a global stage, you're seeing players from all, you know, every continent, every every country out here, and it's just uh, it's just great for the game and on a global stage. I um I'm seeing, you know, a lot of times you see it in the cuts. Like, it used to be you could double the cut from Thursday. No, the cut will be Friday, and you see the score Thursday. But Memorial, two weeks ago, is a perfect example. It's plus two after Thursday, which normally, you know, the cut would go to plus three or plus four. And it went all the way back to even par on Friday. And the weather really didn't change that much. It's just the, the caliber of play for that those 120 players in the field um, has gotten better. So um, I think golf's just in a great place. And uh hope we don't see too many changes as far as the, you know the golf ball goes and right. uh, and uh but we'll see what happens going forward uh kevin miles mentioned you know the young stars in the game today everyone loves to focus on that they say that's good it's energizing the sport uh for me covering the business side there's an interesting dichotomy you know you see very positive numbers lately about ratings and viewership and millennial interest in the mm -hmm. game at the pro level you know watching you guys play in these tournaments but then we see some negative numbers and some, some things trending in the other direction when we talk about participation, people playing golf, you know, amateurs, uh, you know, rounds played in America, young people yep. picking up the sport. Do you have any thoughts on how the sport can try to re-energize, refresh, uh, stay popular? You know, ideally, for the health of golf and for its future, I'm always making the point that, you know, that 
you can't just rely on the theory that, well, everyone will sort of age into golf eventually. I mean, you got to get people while they're young. Right. Well, I'd say we're doing all we can. You know, I, like you mentioned, the, the tour and viewership is in a very healthy place. The, the caliber of play out here is in a healthy place. The sponsors are in a, in a healthy place. Um, the quality of golf is the, the best it's ever been. So um, I think for a while we just had millennials that aren't interested in spending five, six hours on a Saturday afternoon, you know, doing one thing, you know, without an iPhone, without your, you know, tablet. You know, it's just it was a different generation. Where and also I think the American dream always used to be you know to join the local country club and have the family go swim there while you played golf you know that was 20 30 40 years ago that just kind of isn't the case anymore so trying to find you know the next way to get to kids and and things like uh, you know first tee what they're doing here at the first tee is incredible things like uh, top golf you know that's blowing up on a huge scale more than I really predicted it would yeah. you know, 10 years ago. It's really fun. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a blast. It's a blast and, and people are doing it. So if that's an avenue that people can get onto the golf course and you know, whether we have to go to more than nine hole go- courses or even six hole courses, you know, it was something you might have to evolve to, um, you know, t- to diversify, but, um, man, I, I just hope it stays healthy. It's just a game that you can play your whole life. It helps with business. It helps with family. It helps with relationships to be outside. I just, I, mean, I just love it and hope my kids get into it one day and, um, hope it stays in a healthy place, uh, for a long time to come. Okay, guys. Now just one quick pause. We're going to go to a short commercial break. And when we come back, Kevin, we want to ask you your thoughts on a certain person who has returned to the tour recently. Stick with us. Um, Kevin, it feels like, uh, well, I mean, it's not really breaking news here, but there's certainly been a different uh, sense on tour since Tiger has come back and played quite mm-hmm. well at a number of events. Um, I'm curious as a player how it feels. Uh, he won't be in the field this week, uh, unfortunately, but you know, you were at Memorial where he played. He played at Wells Fargo where you played. Uh, you were at the Valspar. I think that was really uh, where it first kind of came alive. Um, how's it been as a player with him back in the field? And now that we have a lot of young guys uh, mentioning explicitly that, yeah, I looked up to him as a, as a kid, and he hasn't been on, on tour since I've been a pro, but now we get to play together, and it's pretty cool. <laughs> it is, uh, I think it's better than we even imagined, you know. He, um, it's amazing the ball speeds he's getting with the surgeries he's had, and it's just remarkable to think he's at 180 mile an hour ball speeds with a fused back, but, um, you know, I, I, I definitely, I wasn't sure when he, when he came back whether he would contend in in big tournaments again but he's proved that theory immediately you know he could could have won tampa be at that last putt harder and then you know being right there in another number of other big tournaments is is pretty awesome for for a start of a comeback he's got he's got a few things to work on but you know what in this game we all have a few things to work on it it comes and goes as it pleases but um it's great for the game it's, it's fun seeing the young guys getting so amped up i mean my rookie year i got to play with him at tory pines in the final group and it was it was just amazing. He was on you know top of the golf world early 2008, and um, something I'll never forget. But you know it's fun seeing him now because he's much more social with all of us. He's kind of a big brother to a lot of the young guys, especially down there in the Jupiter area. And um, you know just seeing that relationship and seeing him kind of you know mentor a, a bit to the younger players is yeah, that's what the game's all about. So um, I think it's it's really good for for global golf to see Tiger playing well. Kevin, uh, Miles and I have loved having you on. We've got the Travelers starting up. You won four years ago. 
uh, I'd end this way. How do you feel for this year's tournament? How do you feel going in? And, and what other uh, fellow contenders are, are you watching out for? You know, I, uh, I'm feeling good. I had two weeks off, been, been home in Phoenix. It was nice to get out of the heat and actually get back to work here. Um, but no, the game, game feels good. I've had a nice year so far and good, good position in the FedEx. And, and uh, you know, these are some of my favorite events coming up. Get here and then down to D.C. and then to the Greenbrier and John Deere for, for four in a row for me. And um, like I said, the game's, game's been feeling good. We'll see if we can heat that putter up and make another run like we did four years ago. There you go. Well, Kevin Streelman, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. All right. That was Kevin Streelman joining us from Cromwell, Connecticut. Great interview. Uh, great to have him. And I thought he said some interesting things, Miles. Uh, I liked his candor. And I was pleasantly surprised by his answer about Tiger. I think no one can deny the fact that he changes everything for professional golf. You know, Kevin Streelman is a guy who people who don't follow golf and even those who do may not remember or it's guy oh, see, oh yeah, I know that guy's a touring pro, but he's been on tour for 11 years. He's made $17 million over his career as a pro golfer. Hello. He joined the tour in 2008, 2009. So he owes, and he knows this, most of his success, at least from how much money he's won, to Tiger. The mm, ratings went up when Tiger came around. The TV deals got bigger when Tiger came around. The equipment deals all the sponsorships, everything went up in size when Tiger became a force in the early 2000s. So the guys like Kevin Streelman playing today, who are seemingly anonymous, but are actually making very good livings and are very good players, owe a lot of that to Tiger. I also think he's a good example, you're right, of, you know, to to a casual fan, or maybe even to someone who wouldn't say they're a casual fan, who's a big fan, they only talk about the guys who win. You know, yeah. and, and maybe at a major like the Masters, you talk about, you know, two guys tied for a second. Fine, cool. But then it drops off and no one remembers who got fifth, sixth, seventh. But there are guys who can go four years without winning a PGA Tour event and they're making a lot of money. I mean, Kevin Streelman, $17 million. Hello. Yeah. Uh, it's a nice living. He is a professional athlete. And he keeps his card every year. I mean, he's top yep. 70 in the money list, which means he'll make the first round of the playoffs this year. He's made 16 cuts in 19 events before Pretty this. Good. He has four top 10s. Pretty I mean, good. he's a guy who's in the mix. But, yeah, you're right. He's not winning a lot. But you know what? Only one guy a week gets to win. And you look at the people who have been double winners this year, Bubba, Jason Day. I mean, it's it's a list of guys that you know because they're top 10 in the world rankings. Kevin, Strel- Kevin Strelman's ranked 125th. Again, very good player, working pro, professional athlete. But those are the guys that actually make the field competitive week in, week out. Because, yeah, you know, it can't just be Dustin Johnson, right. Brooks Kepka every week. Yeah, I'd be interested to know, actually, uh, Streelman's best ranking he's ever had. At the end of 2013, he was ranked 44th in the world. Oh, even, and that was before he won the 2014 Travelers. Yeah, and then at the end of 2014, he was ranked 52nd. So, so he's had a very go. nice career. 44th. I mean, he has been... He has been Officially in the top 50 best golf players, best golfers in the world. That's something. Very good. It's not nothing. Uh, Now, to go back to what you're saying about, look, you can have a nice career, and even when you go four years without winning, let me ask this. And you say he's not a household name. Well, let me ask this. We're, We're talking in this context about, hey, the Travelers is an event that has really come up in significance. People talk about it more than they used to. It had this exciting finish last year that was big, you know, and that's not the kind of thing they can plan, obviously, you know, having an exciting finish where one of the, big, one of the biggest stars wins it. But let's say Streelman wins again this year. Unlikely, maybe, but let's say he wins again. Mm-hmm. And that's two wins in four years. Will that make Streelman a bigger name? Will people be talking about Kevin Streelman come Monday? 
Um, well, people will be talking about him in the golf world because if he wins this week, that almost certainly means he'll make the second round of the PGA Tour playoff. He'll probably even make the Tour Championship at the end of September. He'll get into the PGA Championship, which is a major. So um, when you're and when you I didn't win hear about on, the other things he said until PGA Championship. And when you're winning on tour, when you win on tour, you're exempt to all the majors for the following year. You get to keep your card. It keeps you around. Keeps you in the conversation. The hardest part about being on tour, and I was listening to an interview with Paul Azinger, an old time pro, not too long ago, and he said. Even the guys who are winning the majors, don't let them ever tell you they're not worried about losing their card. Wow. Everyone on tour every week is worried about losing your card because if you don't get to play PGA Tour events, you don't get to cash PGA Tour checks. And the whole point of being a pro golfer is that you get to, ch- you get to cash those big checks. So I think everybody is worried about that all the time, even if they pretend like they're not. And I think Kevin Streelman is the perfect example of a guy who goes out week in, week out, has good finishes, keeps his card, keeps grinding. And so if he does win this week, yes, it's a nice breakthrough. But he's already at that equilibrium where he knows he can roughly count on himself to make 80% of his cuts, and that's going to keep him alive. Yeah, got to keep that card. Uh, now, we didn't ask Kevin about Trump. I, I would have liked to, you know, the sort of Trump and golf stuff. And I'm not even bringing it up right now necessarily. But I will say, you know, th- that's sort of – I see a push and pull now with and, – and, of course, someone could easily say, well, even the young guys, they might be conservative too and love Trump. And we've written about how, you know, this, this is un, this is unseen before. We have a, a president of the United States who owns like 18 golf courses, which mm-hmm. is just interesting. And it has an interesting impact on the sport. But I see a push and pull where we talk so much about the young electric stars in the game. We ask Kevin about that. And yet guys like Kevin, who's 40, and most, mostly I'm talking about guys actually older than Kevin too, those are the vast majority of the pro golfers. I mean, you look at that rankings list, and it's like it's a small slice that are the you know, cool young stars who have endorsement deals, and they're wearing orange like Ricky, and they're, they're, they're friends with each other, and they're Instagramming, you know, and it's Jordan and Ricky and Dustin. But otherwise, it, that, you know, that's why Kevin is sort of a good ambassador for us to have, to have spoken to. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the world ranking right now. And, you know, I mean, look, the, the ranking obviously makes it the case that you can only have so many guys who are like the big stars and whatever. But, um, you know, Webb Simpson ranked 21st in the world. Former U.S. Open winner, not a guy that people outside of the golf world are really thinking about. Brian Harmon, second at the U.S. Open last year, 28th in the world. Not a guy people outside. Exactly. Yeah. He's a young guy, great player, hits the ball a mile. Uh, little guys as a lefty, but no one, you know, really thinks about him. No one cares. Matt Kuchar, consummate working pro. Charlie Hoffman, Gary Woodland. These guys are out there every week shooting low numbers, making a lot of cuts, and making the sport. You know, Kevin talked about the depth of the fields and how good they are top to bottom, how the cut lines yeah. don't just drift up throughout the week, how you can have a week like we had at the Memorial where the average score on Friday was well under par. It brought the cut line all the way back to even, and it's that kind of depth that you're getting from guys who seem anonymous but who have really made the sport a lot better than it was or a lot deeper than it was, um, even when Kevin came on tour. And, and he's not an old guy. You no. know, he's, he's only 40, um, and he's only been on tour for 11 years. So go back even further. When Tiger first came on the scene, the guys that he was playing with, you know, who were 50, 60 down the weekly leaderboard, uh, I think that, that player probably couldn't hack it at all on tour right mm. now. And I would say, by the way, to, to be the voice of skepticism here, that even the guys that we're saying, you know, we keep saying, you know, Webb Simpson, not a household name, da 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 not a household name. But then even some of the guys that you and I are saying they are household names, even they really aren't. I mean, even even Ricky Fowler, like, I, I don't think he's in the average American. Yeah, and the, and I think they might see him and go, who is that? No, I think— He's a golfer? I actually think the perfect example of this, though, is Brooks Kepka. 
Yeah, Brooks, there you go. Brooks that's Koepka a, that's has, has now won no consecutive U.S. Opens, and no one knows no who knows he is. No one knows who Tony Finau is, even though I think he's interesting. No interesting guy. Sponsored by Nike. He was, he was fourth. Uh, what, finished fourth, I think? I think his fifth. Doubled the, the 18th hole. Devastating. Oh, yeah, that was terrible. You want to talk about an expensive golf hole. Oof. Golly. Oh. But look, I mean, it's just this of uh, a, a, a select few. I don't even know that the average sports fan knows who Dustin Johnson is, really. No, I don't think so. I think they know Jason Day. They know... They but don't know Bubba. There was a time when they, knew, when they knew Bubba because he was controversial. They don't know Sergio Garcia. They know Tiger, Jason Day, Justin Spieth, and maybe Ricky now. Jordan Spieth. And Phil Mickelson. You messed it up. You said Justin Spieth. Oh, my God. Jordan it's because I was right. thinking of Justin Thomas I know, for but, a second. But that kind and of, they don't know him. They don't know that Justin kind of Thomas. Says it all. I mean, yes. another topic that you and I have done a podcast on that feels a lot like this, though, is baseball. Absolutely. I mean, these are sports that are both doing financially Should we just go right well. into the face of baseball? Well, I mean, you know. <laughs> it was, who's the face of golf? Right it, was, it was almost exactly. Is it still exactly. Phil Mickelson or is it Jordan uh, Spieth? No it's, Ti- no, it's Tiger Woods. Oh, okay, fine, sure, sure, sure. sure. But I, but I think you know the face of baseball is. I mean, I could have, I argued it last year. That's kind of still Derek Jeter, right? I mean, it's no, you still didn't. A-Rod. You said Judge. I know I right, said it was Judge, Jeter. but it's yep. Jeter and it's A Rod in the same totally. way that it's Tiger and Phil. Totally. And and to to bring in yet another completely different topic, we shouldn't mention, but it feels related. Yesterday we were talking about Puma. Puma has been back in the news for re-entering NBA. Puma has signed a bunch of NBA draft prospects, and then I said, well, who is the current face of Puma? And it's and I said it's Usain Bolt, except that he retired. And you pointed out on Twitter, it's still Usain Bolt. Yeah, of course, of course. I mean, that's I think the most prominent sports person who's sponsored by Puma. The the topic that we're getting into, which maybe would be something, you know, maybe we probably do a whole series on this at some point later in the year. But like the future of major sports after an era where everything yes. was kind of homogenized. I mean, if all these names we're listing are basically guys who were stars between 2004 and 2010, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady, okay, he's still playing. The 20 aughts, they call this. But the reason that Tom Brady's a star is because of where the NFL was in the aughts. Same thing with Peyton Manning, Derek Jeter, A-Rod, Usain Bolt, Tiger mm. Woods. Go down the list. LeBron James became a big star in the late aughts. Um, and he's still obviously the biggest star in basketball. Like Kevin Durant, people know who he is, but LeBron James is an event, right? And uh, all these guys came of age and came of stardom eight, ten years ago, and so I think it's very interesting to kind of fathom, like, like, where is this going? Who are the next generation of stars? Because you go down the line in these new sports, people are saying, oh, well, it's Mike Trout, and it's Jordan Spieth, and it's uh, J.J. Watt, and it's like, no one knows who those people are and they do not move the needle and i think it's very interesting that the bridgestone ceo came in to yahoo finance a year ago and said tiger does move the needle so we know that most whether ath- whether he's playing or not right most athletes do not move the needle for their sponsor exactly. of equipment of shoes in any sport anywhere except tiger woods lebron james Derek cheater peyton manning <laughs> tom brady like, yep. People and buy it, pe- people buy Papa John's because of Peyton Manning, or did. <laughs> and and you didn't say this there, but I think that we're you're sort of getting toward this. A lot of it is about the internet and social media. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. People say big, ba- you know, real diehard baseball people say, "Oh, Mike Trout. Mike Trout is not a, a star outside of baseball." Now I don't even think I've ever seen him play, and I follow baseball fairly closely. Yeah. Now, well, that's because it's the Angels too. Now in the NBA, yeah, I think the stars of tomorrow aren't necessarily the guys who are the best players in the league. I think it's someone like Joel Embiid. Now someone could say, "Well, he is going to be the best players in the league." Fine. But you know what I mean? It's about his, how savvy he is, how funny and fun on social media. And so, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you were also hinting like maybe Tom Brady wouldn't be the star that he is if if everything were the same and his skills were the same if he played today. Now, someone would say, oh, sure he would because he'd still be the best quarterback. Fine, he'd be the best. But it took him until just a year ago to actually start having an internet presence even. 
Yeah, and I think that the era um, that we're referencing is an era where being stage managed and having your agent control your media access and staying on message yes. was rewarded because the yeah. media and that's was, over now. You know, Twitter is the media. Instagram is the media. People complain a lot about like, oh, what is Woj reporting and what is so and so reporting for the NFL and whatever. But frankly, people don't care about that so much they want the information you know they want to know who Woj has just said is being traded in the NBA but they don't care that the information is coming through him necessarily if they want to connect to a player they want to see Joel Embiid being goofy on Instagram and so Tom Brady yeah would not I mean he doesn't connect with anyone on the level other than he wins a lot and he has a supermodel wife but he himself is not a very interesting person and the people who were all who were referencing Derek Jeter is very boring but he was a star in the 2000s. And he appears to be a bad businessman. And that's, and that's the way that the world was. And the way the world is now is it rewards a kind of, I don't want to say authenticity, but hmm. it, it rewards a certain kind of fearlessness about who you are and what your public presence is that the stars of yesteryear do not have because they didn't have to have it. And I think authenticity is the right word. Uh, a quick example, remember when Antonio Brown of the Steelers did a Facebook Live at his locker, and you could see in the background that the coach was talking to the team. And people said, oh, my God, and there was a little scandal where the team was angry and he had to apologize. But uh, in the end, it was a good thing for his brand. People thought it was cool and funny, and it showed that he was excited. You know, the Steelers had a big win, and he did a video at his locker saying, woo. Mm-hmm. So it is, it is authenticity. Uh, well, we're, we're pretty far off topic. We're talking about Brady. We're talking about baseball. We're talking about players on social media. But it's all part of the same thing. It, it's sports. It's about personalities. And, boy, we love talking about it. And golf, it's happening. Who is your favorite golf personality? Who are you rooting for at the Travelers? Are you watching the Travelers? I hope you've enjoyed hearing us talk about it. And thank you to our guest, Kevin Streelman. This was another episode of Sportsbook. We come out every Thursday morning. Remember, you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Do those things. See you next time. Bye.